After fighting and coaching his way through a storied 47-year professional hockey career, Mike Milbury's gloves are again off for his next chapter as a radio host, talking about the NHL, the Boston Bruins, and the hockey world at large. Brought to you by Ketchis Law. Since 1986, they have had the backs of every hardworking tradesman in New England who finds themselves injured on the worksite. You pay nothing unless they win. So get your free consultation today at catcheslaw.com or by calling 508-321-7000. Back again to my old friend, and I guess I can call you, Kevin DuPont, the Dean of Hockey Writers in Boston. Is that fair? Outlasted them all, Mike. Outlasted them all. <laughs> Before I go any further, how was your Easter dinner? What was on the menu? Yeah, you know, just a traditional uh, quiet family brunch with uh, nothing uh, exotic other than the mimosas. I went lazy on the mimosas because I had a little TV later in the night. But it Well, was... um, no big Easter ham. I know you're a big ham guy. Yeah, I do like ham. No, it was just, it was a traditional hash browns, eggs. Some fruit. Now, no, no brunch for us, but we had the big honey baked ham, and I just made a nice, you know, I like to make a nice fat ham pea soup after we're all done. Oh, so love that's uh, sitting in the refrigerator. And did you know today was uh, National Grilled Cheese Day? So that's on the menu too. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Speaking of food, now that you've been so gracious to come on a couple of times here. I'm going to take you up to my sister's place in Rockport, my place by the sea. Beautiful oh, place, nice. right on the water. We'll walk down Bearskin Neck, and we'll uh, we'll have a good two- or three-hour meal with lots of wine. We'll probably have to find a place to stay. That's for, <laughs> that's for down the line. She's so, been there for a while now. She's been there for over 20 years and wow. uh, as owner, and then longer than that for, for uh, as a the head chef. But she's... Um, She's been making it work for a long time. They got a liquor license a few years ago, and things are good in Rockport. It's a really quaint little place to go, as you know. Yeah, and I've been by the restaurant. It's it's a beautiful location. It's just terrific. Well, we'll set it up and uh, take a okay. ride in mine, and we're, we're off. But back to okay. the business at hand. Um, ridiculous season, right? I mean, yep. it's just a ridiculous season. Can you compare this team to the Canadians team whose record they just broke? Well, it, it, in some ways, yes, obviously, just because of the consistency and, and all of it. Uh, but, I mean, if you're asking me which teams would I, which team would I rather have, given that that Montreal team was in the thick of, of winning four straight cups, loaded with Hall of Famers, all of it, uh, that to me is still a, you know, a legendary team. I don't see that in, in this Bruins team. Maybe I will in retrospect. 40 years down the road, but somebody else will be making that assessment. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Steve Shutt was 60 goals. I think LaFleur had 48 or 50. Uh, you, you know it as well as anybody, the the nine or 10 guys they had as Hall of Fame. Now, they did it uh, before the salary cap, which people focus on a lot, and I also focus on a lot. They also did it pre-meaningful free, pre free agency, which means – when they had, when you had a team like that, you could keep it together. You you weren't you weren't restricted by or you know having to to goose two guys off the lineup every year because of the salary cap. And where could they go? They were either going to play there or they weren't going to play. Yeah, that was in the era of era when if you were twenty eight years old and you became a free agent, the only way a team would sign you is if they gave up five first round draft picks. Right. Right. Wild. Um, yeah. Yeah, just wild, but things have changed, and for the players' sake, obviously for the better. 
too late for me. But anyway, Allmark gets a little tweak last night, um, but apparently he's okay. And it sounds like he's going to drive the bus here in the playoffs. Is that what you're hearing? I have to think so. Now, to, 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 to back up just a half step, uh, I will say apparently, because I've been down this road with uh, Jim Montgomery before, he's, he doesn't reveal much, if anything, on injuries. It's usually, as you know, to steal your line, Mike, it's a great day in the neighborhood. Uh, he's, he's never going to tell you that things are dire. Steve Conroy last night after the game, you know, when we were doing the group thing, said, were you scared? And he said, no. I mean, he's, those are his standard responses. So, you know, for all we know, he's in traction today. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> they, well, they made them- to, uh, Montgomery seemed to sort of poo-poo it and it looked like it was just an abundance of caution. I mean, it didn't look like it was anything major, but, um, you know, and in comes Jeremy Swayman. Now they've run this rotation all year long and it's worked beautifully. Both goaltenders have been excellent. So why change? Well, my easy answer to that is when you've got the the, the runaway Vesna winner in Olmark, I'd, I'd be hard pressed as a coach to say, okay, so now I'm going to go 50-50 here at the, at the most intense time of the year. Uh, unless, I mean, here's the caveat to that. If, as, as we well know, there's, there's no, there, there is overtime, there's no shootout. So if you get into a, a game, which is very typical in the first round, that goes one OT, two OTs, three OTs, would I run him back out there for the game two? No. But if it's a, if it's a, you know, pick a number here, if it's a 60 minute game, if it's a 65, 66 minute game, ends early in OT, if all Mark is winning, I, I would go with all Mark. Uh, or you could put another caveat it caveat and say if they were to go up two two games in a series two nothing, then maybe go to Swayman. I'd have full confidence in him, uh, but I just think given given what the guy's done and the numbers, it's not only the, the it's not only you know the, the the forty wins, it's it's the incredibly small goals against average and the high save percentage. I just. You, you play the odds. Those are the better odds. I, I mean, there's no argument against that, um, except that he's not playoff grizzled. He hasn't That's ever right. really been in that situation before. And, and I know, and you know from, from personal experience in watching these things, that it can be incredibly fatiguing, especially over the course of, what, two, two and a half months? And no so question. I think there's got to be a time, or at least I would think there's good, unless they start running the table in the, in the first couple of rounds, um, there, there may be a time for Swayman. And I, and I almost feel bad for him because, I mean, this is, I think, the best one-two goaltending punch that I've ever seen in Boston. Would you no agree question. with that? Yeah, no question. Yeah, uh, and, and because in, in, in either case, you've got full confidence they can win that night. Uh, there's no, there's no kind of put it. And, and again, if you look at, it's one thing when you have a classic number one, number two, and they're, they're playing the number two guy against all the softies, uh, that hasn't been the case here. They've, they've played an equal amount by my eye across the board. Haven't really cared about the opposition. It's all been based on getting guys their rest and, and, and setting them up in right situations. So, yeah, I, I you know, there was that sort of Jilly Gilbert era that, you know, I like Jilly a lot too. So I think maybe that compares, 
But I think overall, absolutely. Uh, in terms of just simple confidence in victory, confidence in performance. Yeah, their ability, both goaltenders, but Olmark has been so composed and his ability to make timely saves has been, I've never seen anything like it since Pete Peters back in 1983, who, by the way, had 41s himself, the same as, as Olmark has. Or does he have 41 right. now? Nope, it's 40. Yeah, I tied him last night. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no histrionics to the saves. They're, they're very, he's, he's, he's fluid. He's, you know, the old expression square to the shooter. I guess that doesn't apply anymore, but he's, he's, he's in the right place all the time. And you hit on it early there, timely saves. If you remember last year, Mike, especially in the first half, he had a, he had a very mediocre, sometimes poor first half last year. This is all Mark. And the criticism, if you will, or the foible was giving up a goal anywhere with sort of between 30 seconds and 90 seconds of the Bruins scoring. And they were just that was that was a consistent killer. Uh, None of that this year. Uh, If anything, big saves after they've 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 gone up or they've gone ahead. Um, which is another you know key factor this year. I was just looking at of the 80, 81 games so far, 43 of them. <laughs> they have they, the other team hasn't had even a seconds lead. So 43, if you will, true shutouts in terms of, of lead time. And again, if you're the goalie and you're always working with the lead, hell of a lot easier. So if you're taking the picture of a goaltending situation for Boston, there's not another team in the league, including Vasilevsky, uh, Shesterkin in New York, um, that can claim to have better goaltending than Boston. Agreed? Two things. I, I agreed, yes. Uh, certainly in t- because of depth, performance, all of it. And also, I don't see any of those goaltenders playing around two legit number one defensemen in McAvoy and Lindholm. And then they went out and got Orloff and Orloff is, you know, there's some nights I look at him and I say, you know, he's, if he's, if he's not a number one, he's really close. So to have those three defensemen in front of you for pick the minutes and a lot, all of them logging 20, 22, 24 minutes, uh, that combination of defensive depth and true goaltending, again, haven't seen that here. Um, One last thing on the goaltending, you made an excellent point. Um, I, reach back into the memory bank when my first year coaching the Bruins, we managed to make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. And you'll recall game one went to triple overtime. And and we lost, despite the fact that Glenn Wesley had an open net, could have put it on his forehand, not his backhand. Who who could bitch about that, right? Right. <laughs> but, but, but anyway. I'm glad you're over it. <laughs> yeah, right. But anyway, um, Andy was put on fluids right after the game. We had two days off. And, you know, this is partly my responsibility because, as you know, he was a little bit of a pudge bucket. You know, yeah. he, was, he wasn't exactly a, uh, you know, he wasn't in the gym every day. Right. And we came back to play game two. And I looked up at the scoreboard halfway through the game and we were out shooting them 16 to four. And we were down two to one. Yeah. So that is a cautionary tale on whether you should use or overuse your goaltender. But anyway, my producer says we got to take a quick break. So 
we'll get right back to the rest of the lineup because I want to hear about a few of the guys, especially well, both forwards and defense, but we'll be right back. Are you looking for a local printer that you can trust for a timely execution of all of your printing needs? Ziprint Centers of Randolph is located at 217 North Main Street and is the premier one-stop custom print shop that proudly serves the WMEX family. Posters, postcards, and more, their on-site printing experts are ready to turn your project into a work of art. WMEX uses Ziprint Centers of Randolph exclusively for all of our printing needs, and you can too. Ziprint Centers of Randolph offer excellence every step of the way as part of an unwavering commitment to exceed your expectations. Call today at 781-963-2250 or email at info at zipprintcenters.com today and mention WMEX and this ad when you do and let them know that you love the merch that you won right here on WMEX. Zipprint Centers, 781-963-2250. So we looked at the goaltending, and now just the snapshot of this team, obviously um, Martian, Bergeron, and DeBrusque are the top unit. I didn't, obviously, obviously again, Martian had gone scoreless in 17 games until last night. But not only that, I thought he was struggling. Yeah. And I was concerned. I was worried about what, you know, whether his hips were bothering him. He didn't have that same pizzazz. Um, do you have a concern with him? Sure, I do. Yeah, I mean, he, given his age, given his uh, he, although this has never been an issue with him, given his size, he's you know, he's a small guy. Uh, so the it, age, size, and also uh, double hip surgery in the off season. So he's he hasn't been a hundred percent all year. Uh, around mid season, I thought he was getting there. But of late, and you can see it most of all, Mike, in his numbers of shots it, it, for most of that, because I was looking at these numbers, I think when he was at either 14 or 15, uh, I think it was 14. When the streak was at 14 games, over those 14 games, he had, he had tw- I think, 27 shots on net. So slightly fewer than two shots per game. Whereas you looked at uh, DeBrusque, he had, all, he had at least 50% more, almost double. So just in terms of number of shots, and, and again, someday if you, if, you get two, if you get two chances and you bury them both, nobody's complaining. But he wasn't getting good quality chances, uh, wasn't, wasn't around, you know, around the play as much as you, you like to see him uh, agitating, all of that. So, yeah, his game has legitimately been, uh, for him, mediocre. Uh, and and, and part top that, that off is, with, you know yeah. – well, we'll get to the power play in a little bit, but he hasn't been good there, nor has any of that first unit for a while. It's the changing scenery. But you know what I, I, I really want to get into a little bit is he's so damn careless with it sometimes. Now, I know you need to let guys who are star players and quality players uh, create. And that means sometimes creating out of a dangerous situation, and they can do that. But the plays just inside the blue line or just outside the blue line. Yeah. I don't get why that can't be reined in or why he can't rein that in. The same applies to Pasternak. It sure and does. The one-on-one stuff is not going to work in the playoffs 99% of the time. And I, I, I just wonder how, you know, if or 
how you can curtail this. Well, yeah, as you well know, what makes a power play effective? First of all, good entries. I'm, I'm talking on the sort of the, the global aspect of it right now. Right? Good entries, you know, control going in, control holding it in the zone, and then moving it at pace. And frankly, for much of the second half, they've had none of that. And that's not just Marshan. Marshan been guilty. Uh, you can't really say Bergeron's always in the right place. So uh, without looking at numbers in front of me, I wouldn't have Bergeron giving it away. But certainly two, two of those four forwards on the power play, uh, Marchand and Pasta, uh, frequently guilty of it. Now, well, they've again, been they've been they were so static that line. I mean, Marchand on the half half wall, yes. Bergeron in in the bumper position, DeBrusque around the front of the cage, Pastanak for the one timer, and Lindholm, who does a pretty good job, or McAvoy of, you know, running the blue line, moving across it laterally to open something. That's the only movement I saw in this power play for a good stretch of time. That's right. That's right. I, I was only half facetious when I was saying. I don't know, three weeks ago, how about just dump and chase? At least at least it gets in there. Uh, it, may, it may be going right back out the other way if, if you've got a good PK on the other side, but at least at least for a few seconds, get it in, establish territory and see. But they, they were countlessly going in and going right back out or not getting right. in at all. And, uh, that, that confused me because I, I mean, one of the things you can definitely employ in your coaching tool bag is a number of entries. It doesn't have to be 25, but it can be four or five. You know, the late drop pass like they do all the time. They picked up from the Russians many years ago or, you know, both wingers streaking with speed for entry. You write about a dump and chase because if you do dump it properly and flood aside, you can get it back. But I didn't see any method to the madness for the longest time. No, they still haven't. Still haven't really. No, and and what lately it's been a guy. I think I think they've been around thirty eight percent for the last seven games. So obviously, uh, far better. They had a couple last night, two for two, but they went from uh, mid December until only recently. I think it was a span of fifty games. Uh, no, a little less. It was like forty five games they went, where they they either had one or none on the power play over those over those three months, three plus months. And wasn't that at a time when that first unit continually hopped over the boards? I mean, that's they just threw out the first yes. unit time and yes. time again. And yeah. it's the spell, the fruitless spell has only been broken since that unit has been rested or broken up in the and this I won't even call it the B squad because they're, they're so deep, but it's only been the change in personnel for the most part that's resulted in some progress agreed yeah there's been some tinkering and this brings me to another point that i want to make is you and i both spoiled here for a long long time by watching the power play and and ray bork ripping it you know ripping it from up high uh they don't have that they've got four power play goals out of their all all of their defensemen this year really Um, i didn't realize it was that low i know that i know their productivity had had been slow despite montgomery's willingness to include them in the play but i never right. looked at it from a power place perspective because five on five they have they have been more productive yeah if you look at last year's numbers i think the, the defensemen had 30 goals last year and they've got 38 this year but the change has not been in power plays power plays there 
Now, some of that too is, you know, you, you and I watched for decades of power plays had three forwards and two point men. Uh, no longer the case. So just from a just from a mathematical standpoint, if it's always going to be a four forward, sometimes a five forward power play, you're, you're not going to get those numbers out, out of the guys. But that said, no, the, the hard numbers aside, I don't see any of their three defensemen, it's three point guys, if you will, being Lindholm, McAvoy, Orloff is a late addition as being any sort of back end force. So it's either going to come from, if you will, the trickery and the stick handling and the speed and all of that, the tactics of, if you will, of the four forwards, or it's not. There's no. Well, there's isn't no it easy? I mean, off. McAvoy's McAvoy's been so reluctant to shoot. You know, yes. he's got to he's got to pull the trigger. And Lindholm has a good release, but when you're, I mean, I always felt that when your power play stagnated, it was incumbent upon everybody to simplify traffic in front, a little movement across the top of the blue line and blister the puck as hard as you can and have multiple people in front of the net to sort of whack and hack and swat, swat at the thing. And I haven't seen much of that, but you're, you're right. I don't think there's, there's not enough of a, of a threat from the blue line, but I think it needs to be focused on and, and really emphasized from the coaching perspective that these guys have to become a threat at the point and it doesn't have to be you don't have time to wind up and slap it anymore but you need to be able to find a way to thread the needle to get it towards the goaltender and hope you get some some dirty ones right right hey what, what i've watched over over the decades is in times like these talk about traffic to the net well that, that sort of that sort of faded away you, you know in the old days where you could run a guy you know, either left to right across the crease and, and whack the goalie and all of that. That that's out of it. So, now, I will say this: there's this. I miss a, those days, Kevin. Oh, I do too. <laughs> Billy Smith and you know all of it. So oh. that that doesn't exist now. In terms of volume of shot, getting shots to the net, this this is a fine tuning aspect that is different from Mon with Montgomery than others. He's not a shots to the net guy. What what he wants is, and I get it, he wants shots to the net if somebody is there. If if the if the percentages are, I'm not going to say necessarily high. If the if the percentages are something good will happen from that shot to the net, then take it. I, I personally I believe sometimes that's fine tuning it too much. Sometimes you just got to get it up there, right? Just just start. And, and, and frankly, in times like this, when it's not happening. Take shots, take shots. And okay, you know, sometimes you're going to miss wide, it's going to wrap around, it's going to go out, and you're going to, you know, you're chasing your own tail to a degree. But I do think in, in at frustrating times, volume counts. Get it up there. Get I, I agree. And not only, not only that, but when you shoot the puck, everybody turns to follow the puck, right? It's the object of the game. So they want to, they want to, if it goes wide or it gets blocked or the goaltender makes a save and dribbles it to the corner for that millisecond, everybody turns to focus on the puck and that creates opportunity for the offense in order yeah. to get free, move, move someplace. They obviously have to retrieve the puck, but you, you have everybody now sort of out of sync for a minute. It becomes a little chaotic and that's to the offense's advantage. No question. The, the other part about their, 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 their greatest asset in some ways ends up being their weakness, which is 
the greatest asset is Pasternak ripping from that left wing dot, right? Uh, you know, every play, not every play, but how, how many times did we see when they were succeeding on the power play or sometimes five on five? Back door to Pasternak, and he's, he's, he's cranking it off even before he gets it, kind of bossy style that way. Uh, Ovechkin style, really. Ovechkin I mean, style, yeah. How do they Ovechkin. hide there and get away with it? I don't get it. Yeah, although Ovechkin is – this this is really fine-tuning, I guess, but you know, Ovechkin often is moving into the shot from above the left-wing circle. So he gets isolated up high, and you know, like you say, how does that happen? Because they know it's coming, and, he, and they know he can shoot it through a brick wall. But often when I see him, it's he gets stride and a half, two strides, and he's and then he just launches it. That's not Pasternak's more stationary, and I, I think there's there's more there's a greater chance I think when you're dealing with a guy who's moving like Ovechkin is than when Pasternak when he's just there and ready for it. So what I'm saying is or trying to say is I think in some cases their best asset which is that play sometimes being working against them because if that's not happening, nothing else is. Yeah. <laughs> um, getting back to other elements of that power play or the first line, is this it for Bergie? You think this is it? Gosh, I hope not. I just, I, I so love watching him play. Uh, and he's, I, just and been, he's just been okay for a while now. I mean, yeah. he and Martian have been, not on the top of their game this is at 37. I mean, there's no reason to doubt that he could do it, but can he summon the energy to play at his level for four rounds? Four rounds. I mean, it's been it, in some, in some regards, you, I was asking myself that around game 55 or 60 this year about, about just the regular season. And I think some of it is that he's the captain uh, certainly, I, I know Montgomery because this was a running narrative. Uh, th- th- we didn't report it because there was nothing there to report, really. But it, it, the, the feeling being, this this would be a good time for Bergeron to take this game off or this game off or, or not play two and three or not play back to back. But it was very rare that he come out, and I think it's because he was a captain and wanted to set example and just just who he is. Uh, so I, I think it would have been prudent to be resting him. Uh, uh, some of it is too, uh, in, in the very late stages here, Crutchy being hurt, didn't allow that or didn't think it allowed, but yeah, it's, I don't know. I, 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 I've asked him a number of times. Everybody has, uh, he, he just, he puts off the whole thing about think about it at the end of the year, all of that. Uh, if, if I were a betting man and <laughs> fan duel and all that, I would, I would bet that he's not coming back, but we'll see. Those ideas. You know what? I mean, everything's sewed up, right? Everything is done that they can do as a team. Yeah. And they go to Montreal, the team that they just stole a record from. Although they asked for Castavi, they only had 80 games to do it, right? Montreal. Right. But um, why would you play Bergeron there? No, I wouldn't. I, uh, I wouldn't I'd either, be- except he may want to go there because this could be, you know, the last hurrah in his hometown. Yeah, I kind of throw that out to you as a, you know, yeah, listen, I want to play. It's the last chance I'm going to play, you know, in the forum. It'd be the only reason I'd let him play. Yeah, and and and, and maybe that's going to be the case. Maybe maybe he will. I don't. I, Charter's just leaving, but 
Maybe, maybe not. I, I don't think Montreal itself per se, certainly the province, but Quebec City was his hometown. So I, I don't think that Montreal necessarily holds any romance for him in that way. I think his, his, the greatest thing, if you will, working against him not playing is just who he is. His, and I, I say this in a healthy way, his ego in the sense of this is what I, I am the captain. This is the last game. This is the last tune-up. I should be out there. That would, that would thoroughly meet his, if you will, healthy ego. And on the right side is DeBrusque. What do you expect from him? I mean, he's had a hell of a year. He's got this, the monkey off his back, whatever was going on with Bruce Cassidy. There was clearly something. And, you know, he made his trade demand and still tried to play through it. Played pretty well at the end of last year. And then, you know, this year seems to be a much more veteran presence and a consistent player than than I've seen him in the past. What do you expect of him? What are your reasonable expectations of him in the playoffs? Well, I what, uh, I agree with everything you're saying here. I, I think I, I think he should have been a little more, if you will, <laughs> lack of a better word, gracious. It, it was. Let's not forget. It was Cassidy in the second half game in Vancouver when Cassidy put him on the first line, put him on that first line with Marchand and Bergeron, and put him on the right side, and that really did get him going. So it's I I don't I don't see it as Cassidy in any way failed him. Uh, I think he he had to grow up. Uh, and I think, frankly, uh, Cassidy in part paid the price. Now, they made the right move. Uh, it, it's and it, I'm not going to say it ended up be, being the right, the right move for the wrong decisions. I don't, I don't like firing the coach because people don't like him. Because that's, as you know, that's always going to be the case. There's always going to be guys in the room who have personality rub with them or whatever. Um, I always felt that everyone loved me, Kevin. Yeah. Well. <laughs> um, so, okay. That takes the, fir- the first line's as good as any first line in hockey, right? Maybe Edmonton with McDavid notwithstanding, or maybe McKinnon in Colorado, but it's it's in the top three or four first lines when they're all going, correct? Yeah. Yeah. That brings yeah. me to the second line. David Krejci, do you have any doubts about him? I mean, he's been a little nicked up. I think this has mostly been precautionary. Never been a great skater, but he's led, he's led the postseason twice, I think, in, in scoring. And he's one of the headiest guys ever to play the game. This pressure won't get to him. He's, I expect him to be very productive. Agreed? Yes. Unless, unless the underlying injury is a back issue. And you know how uh, disastrous that can be. As it is, I've been led to believe that could be what's in play here. Uh, so when you get guys dealing with that stuff, uh, because there's, you can, you can do a lot of things. You can wrap knees and elbows and shoulders and, 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 and none of that's pleasant, but somehow you can go on when it ends up being a back issue. And again, caveat here, I don't know that it is, but that, that would be my concern there. And if not back or some other debilitating injury, given what his age, given what his, what his wear and tear is. But he had a heck of a year, uh, and, uh, and 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 historically, as you well know, Mike has been an excellent playoff performer. So I, I like that line. I also like the fact that 
when they improvised here, uh, they moved they moved Zaka into the middle, moved him off the wing, moved him into the middle, and brought in Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi is an interesting product. Uh, you don't, no, I don't want to go by this because I want to go back to Zaka. Okay. Like, I, I thought he was so-so to start the season, but he just seems to have been a spring flower here and just blossomed. You see he's visible. He makes smart plays. He's not shy. Uh, he's, he's very intelligent. He doesn't turn the puck over very much. I mean, he's facing a new animal, a playoff situation. But if he can play the way he's played in the last couple months, this second line with Pasternak on the other wing is the best set of wings that David Krejci's ever had to utilize, has it? Is oh, it not? No question. Yeah, he finally, you know, his, his wish was for a long time to have Pasternak. He got he got even better in that he had Zaka too. Uh, I I think I think Zaka's been more visible. Would you agree? More visible as a center than a wing. When they've moved him into the scratchy spot, I I thought he was more. And centers naturally are. I mean, you're 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 yeah. you yeah. got to cover more ground and get from. You not only have to go north south, but you got to be east west, and you know you're in you're in the thick of things. So, um, but I still haven't. It hasn't bothered me when he's on the wing. He just hey, it's great news for the Bruins that if. Bergeron and Krejci, you know, take a hike at the end of the season. Right. At least they have a second line center that they can look to that can be pretty damn effective in Zaka. Yes. Yeah. No, and that's that's exactly what their their thinking was in doing it. They're exactly the thinking of extending him to a four another four years on his deal. Uh so yes, I, I think I I hesitate to say this is a failure, but what what you want from your wingers, of course, is is not necessarily have a shot first mentality, but something close to it. I think on the wing, he isn't that. And I think as, as he got more comfortable here, more comfortable with his line mates, he developed more, more of that mentality, but I still think he's got over overridingly a, a center's mentality of playmake rather than shoot. So if he's going to stay on the wing, which I think he will in the playoffs, provided Krejci's healthy, I, I would like to see him shoot more. Their failing here in the last few years has been, uh, most of all in the playoffs, has been inability to get get their forwards an inside good high-scoring position and A, and B, then get shots off. Uh, right, and that, that brings me to Pasternak. He's going to feel the heat in this playoff. He's going to feel people breathing down his neck, in his face. Yeah. I mean, this is unlike any other year that the Bruins have come into the playoffs because for of their obvious uh, success. And Postenok is going to be public enemy number one. Um, he's been resilient. He's played all 81 games, correct? And yeah. it looks like he can handle the rough stuff, but it'll be his ability to find space. And it can't just be, as we talked about earlier, from that one dot. He's going to have to move and groove and find a place where Krejci can find them, not just on the dot. Yeah, and I, th I think the model there for him is Kucherov, right? Kucherov being that marked guy going into all their playoffs, Tampa, and always finding always finding ways to score. Uh, you may not like him. There's a lot of Kucherov that I don't, but he, he does produce, and he does produce at key times. So it, it will be interesting to see, uh, because at least as we well know, uh, these teams are all scouted to the nth degree 
uh, the fact that you and I can sit here and pretty much tell you where pasta is going to be, every everybody knows it. So it is it is the, the need to improvise. Now, what they do have more this year than ever is the willingness and the ability for those defensemen to get involved. Uh, and, and I think that that will be a key part in him finding different areas. Some of these guys can activate, especially on that left side, uh, move down, uh, buy him buy him a little mobility. That, that'll be key. You know, the third line just speaks to the depth of the team. You got an MVP on the left side. I think, in my mind, indisputably, the best third line center in the National Hockey League in Charlie Coyle. And now it looks like Bertuzzi on the right side. I mean, that line can check, and Hall will have to be defensively responsible there. And they can score goals, and they can play pretty much against anybody's best line. And that makes them, I don't know, as important as any other line, right? You're going to get attention Absolutely. to the lines one and two in this line. Not only will it have to check, but it looks like it's going to have some ability to get open and score some goals. And as you know, in the playoffs, that third and fourth line is is uh, always a barometer of how much success you're going to find. Absolutely. I mean, if you if you look at that third line and go across the 31 other teams in the league, I would guess out of those 31 teams, 25 or 26 would consider that their second line in terms of strictly on a talent level. Um, and we haven't seen them that much together because they got Bertuzzi and then Hall went down for a while. So we really don't know how they're developing. So what we're talking in a sense here is just theory based on their individual skills and abilities. Uh, the, the guy who brings it together, of course, is, is Coyle, who can play that very heavy possession game in the offensive end, hold on to it. And with two guys who can wheel around a little bit, uh, if Charlie can do that and they, they can find some open space, that's really, uh, again, that's, that's an element that they haven't had here, frankly, forever. <laughs> they've had yeah, good third lines. Right. They've, they've had good bottom Yeah, not since Derek Sanderson was the third line center, right? Yeah, there you go. I mean, whole different sort of game, but yes, yeah. And, and Derek um, played in a different era, different numbers, yeah. all of them. So did you expect to get what you're getting out of Bertuzzi? Did you know him well enough to think he'd be? He, he reminds me, I, I said this, it's, he's kind of like Pigpen, you know. He doesn't yeah. he doesn't tape his stick. He looks like he's you know his uniforms out of whack. His skate tongues are hanging over, and you know he, he he's an ugly skater. But yeah. then he he pops up on your radar. Yeah, he's he's that beer league guy that scores eight every in every beer league game, right? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah he's he's sort of that. He has that sort of rink rat feel to him. I, I haven't got a I haven't got a good gauge on his personality. Well, what I will say, like uh, it's hard to know the Russians as well, but Orlov seems like he's been a really good, good, easy fit. Hathaway, like he was born on Causeway Street in terms of his style. Yeah, yeah he's a hometown boy now. That does bring me to the fourth line, which yeah. has also has to be considered as good a fourth line as any in the league, but. Um, you know, I've kind of fallen in love with Noshik. He just like yeah. he just keeps coming. He just he just won't. He just he's relentless in his pursuit of the puck and face offs. Great penalty killing. Great. I mean, 
there isn't a better fourth line center in the league right now. No. And what I say about him, so when they got him and I saw him the first month, this is last year, I kept saying to myself, what, what is the, you know, what's the fly in the ointment here? Because I would watch him skills, size, skill, sense. I, 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 and I guess the answer is um, his execution or playmaking sometimes is, is off that half tick that makes a big deal in this league, right? Uh, right. Boy, when you just watch him game to game, being in the right place, face off horse. And, and uh, uh, Montgomery the other day was saying it's, it's, it's so great to have a guy like that, a, a, a guy on the fourth line, who, you know, he puts him out on PK one. He puts him out on uh, critical face offs. He can put him out with, with, uh, with a Bergeron is, is uh, you know, in, in key face off situations. And as Montgomery said, so Bergeron go out there and try to cheat his ass off. And he says, you don't care. He said, if he gets bounced, then you've got this guy going and he'll probably win it. Yeah. So, well, the only problem I see with him is his hands are not quite as good as mine when it comes to goal scoring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but, you know, he, he has to pick it up and throw it to the back of the net, but he'll find a way to get there once in a while. And his right wing Hathaway, I mean, there has there ever been a better trade deadline no. group of acquisitions than Don Sweeney made this time around with, with Orlov and Hathaway and Bertuzzi. It just, it seems to fit like hand in glove for what this team needed. Yeah. And, and in some cases we didn't know they needed it. So they got, yeah. they, some of it was that they got, some of it was that they got insurance. Some of it was that they, at least by my, eye, I didn't think Orlov was this good. Um, but he is, he's, he's, he's tough enough. He's really got that Ray Bork build. I mean, if you put them side by side, I swear sometimes he, he walks by me sometimes and it's just so reminiscent of Ray in terms of physical size and, and stature, even, even, uh, facial structure. It's, it's, it's uncanny. And again, I'm not making that comparison because Ray played on a different planet, but yeah, he did. But, but Orlov, Orlov was playing with Carlson. And sort of had to take the uh, ride shotgun, and now all of a sudden, it seems like he's uh, he's he's loving what Montgomery has asked him to do. I mean, he's in on the forecheck as much as anybody, Orlov. Yeah, yeah, and it's fun to watch him, and he looks like you know he's got sort of that stoic Russian look to him sometimes. But I actually see him smile now from time to time on the ice and on the bench. It's kind of nice, right? Right. So that's um, going to be interesting I, going forward. Whether they, whether a does he want to stay? He's you know he's UFA come July first. Right. Uh, there's there's been a lot of sort of background noise that he loved Washington. Wife loved Washington. Maybe he'd end up back there. He's he's expensive. He's he's, he's in, this deal pays him five point one a year. He's probably why wouldn't he have it in his head that he wants that for a number? I, I at some point as we saw we saw with Tampa, we saw with, with the very good uh, Chicago teams that won. You get to the point where you can't pay them all, and you've got to make some very hard decisions. I, I would really like them to keep this guy. I don't know if they can. Well, that brings me to the last piece of the forward puzzle. There are a number of candidates to fit on that fourth line. The sentimental favorite would be Felino, who's missed a lot of yeah. time, had a good comeback season, uh, Works hard to get there. He's unafraid. Great team guy. 
Uh, there's Lauco, who who <laughs> he has made himself visible with his speed and tenacity. And then there's Trent Frederick, who had 16 goals this year. And I'd just like to know, the puck drops tomorrow, first playoff game. Who's the fourth line left winger when Kevin uh, Dupont's right in this lineup sheet? Right. Well, I, I, not to cop out on it, but you first you, you'd have to tell me the opponent. So if if it's if it's Islanders, I'd go with Felino because I think that that's a heavier series. Um, th- they know the Islanders know they're not going to go they're not going to go back and forth and win it. So I think they're going to try to play a more physical brand, and that's where I want Felino at least to start. If it's Florida, uh, Florida's you know by my eye more more uh, wide open, uh, freer ice, uh, skating and speed more critical then no on Nick. I'd be more inclined to go with Fred, not that Frederick is any speed demon, but you know, basic basically, you know, younger. So I think it's going to depend on it, it wouldn't surprise me if you see guys in and out here on the fourth line. Obviously that's not unique, but it based on opponent and where where the series stands. I got to take a quick break. I want to keep you just for a few more minutes. It's been a while, but thank you for sure. hanging yeah. around. Um We'll be right back. Hey, this is Mike Milbury for Ketchis Law. Ketchis Law Group has experienced injury lawyers who are ready to fight for you and get you what you deserve. They have won over $1 billion for their clients since 1986, and you don't pay anything unless they win. Ketchis Law Group is made up of 50 experienced attorneys and over 100 highly trained team members who truly care about your well-being and financial future. The team at Ketchis Law Group will work tirelessly to get you the results you deserve. Ketchis Law Group, where they take care of New Englanders who get hurt through no fault of their own. Call 508-321-7000 or learn more at catcheslaw.com. So, you know, the goaltending is superb. The offense is balanced. Little issue with the power play lately. Uh, penalty killing, tops in the league. You know, Offensively, that what did they finish second in the league? I think to Edmonton or somewhere up up high. Yeah, and yeah. and now they've got. We look at their defense. I I actually believe, despite Eric Carlson's hundred points, that if you ask me who I'd rather have in the lineup, I'd rather have Hampus Lundholm. You love watching him. I, if you're asking me, could I have any defenseman in the league? I still go to Hedman. I love Hedman's game. Uh, but that said, yes, he's, he's he's an excellent player. When you were talking earlier about Don Sweeney and his acquisitions at this deadline, you know, I, I always make that link to last year's deadline. When he yeah, got, that's a good point. That's an excellent point. When he got so he's had two, you know, consecutive unbelievable acquisitions, and and this is historically really is is where he's been at his best. Sweeney is is getting guys. I thought he made an excellent deal on the the time he got Rick Nash from New York. Now it turned. It went upside down, as we saw with Iafredi yeah. and the Iafredi acquisition for Juno. Iafredi was a hell of a force, unique, but hurt. So sometimes, yeah. sometimes they they end up they end up being bad, but you know, but they were the yeah, right. Yeah, we, we can't we can't dismiss the fact that he picked up Zaka in the offseason, too, which was another yes. turning out to be a terrific deal for them, but. I expect Lindholm to be pretty much the same as he was in the regular season, kind of like Omar, and that they've been just so consistent, so composed. 
I'm looking for something special from Charlie McAvoy, though, aren't you? Isn't this the time where he has to, like, pick up the mantle and assort himself, and including shooting the puck more and being more of an offensive force? Um, he's got to become the leader back there, or co-leader yeah. with Lindholm. But he needs to be, you know, I want to see him. I want to see his physicality in, in these these playoffs. I want to see him. I want to see him moving offensively. I want to see him emerge as what he is. Certainly one of the top six to ten defensemen in the game right now. And now he needs to to make sure that he can assert himself as a bona fide playoff performer. That's right. And you stole my thought there in terms of delivering some thump, and which he does. He's he's made some big hits in the playoffs. But I'd like to see that sort of rattlesnake uh, threat more uh, obvious in his game. They have him go to it once a night, twice a night. Uh, you know, what we're talking here is, is, is you know, what, what's going to separate him from the great young defensemen of the game today? Hughes in Vancouver, McCarr in Colorado, Fox in New York. Is that he's got the size and the ability to deliver big hits be an intimidating physical force that those guys don't. Uh, that's right. That's, I agree with that a hundred percent. And, and, yeah. and I want to see it now, Mox especially it. in a timely fashion. Yeah. You know, yeah when, don't, don't, don't play out of your, don't play out of your orbit for it, but make it clear that this is part of the package every game. Uh, right. And, and, and some of that is, is, is tethered to, and I think from a personality analysis standpoint, some of it is, tethered to his reluctance to shoot. I think he's got this, this inherent, you know, not choke in the sense of pressure, choke in the sense of holding back. He's got this inherent choke in him of, I'm, 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 I'm going to go so far here. Well, you know what? They're paying him big money. They want him to be the number one stud. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, it was always talked about over the last couple of years that the Bruins – after Miller left, after Chara left, that they didn't have enough thump. But they brought in Orlov, and with McAvoy and Clifton. Clifton, absolutely. And, and Forbert, they've got some thump back there now. And, and Orlov is especially, I've been especially thrilled with his ability to, I mean, he's mean. He's got a yes, mean he streak in him. <laughs> he does. He does. I love it. He's got that mean streak. The, way, the, the, the place I see it most is is maybe 12 to 15 cent in, 12 to 15 feet inside his defensive blue line when someone's someone's carrying the mail across and he'll step up and wallop them. I love that play. Uh, and nothing is going to make them back off or at least you know head on a swivel thing than getting croaked coming across. And he he's got <laughs> he's He's a, he's a tough night. Hey, he was playing men's hockey, full real men's hockey in the KHL at age 16. Uh, that, that, that's, that's not easy. No, it, no, it's not. And, and he, <clears throat> you know, he's maybe not a one defenseman, but damn close to it on a lot Absolutely. of teams. Yeah. And uh, a guy that I think is probably the most improved player or as improved as anybody else on this roster has been Brandon Carlo, who I thought was soft and getting hurt all the time. And he's asserted himself now more on the offense. He's not afraid to bang a little bit. He's not ever going to be, you know, what you'd like him to be with that kind of body, but he's been a 
really solid defenseman for this entire season. Yeah. And what I would say, you he, don't he, sound so warm to him. Yeah, I am. And then I, I, I tell you where I struggle here is I like him so much as a person uh, because he's a wonderful, I call him a kid, but he's, he's okay. A, he's, come on, Kevin, you can't be a wimp that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a wonderful kid. But the, the point is, I, 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 I fully accept what he is on a, on a physical level. Uh, but in some ways, my re- this, is, this is a tiny reservation. And I guess I guess the nature of what we're doing here today is nitpicking. But it, it, he, he's got real legs, Carlo. He can move. He can skate. I would like if, if, if he could move his game up a, a metric or two, it would be similar to the to the McAvoy thing. McAvoy go out there and and rip it, you know, and rip your shots, lay guys out, get right into it. Carlo, I'd like to see him in that more of that mode in in offensive situations. I, I he's not going to be, you know, Cassidy always said, I wish he would get up in the morning and take some mean pills. I think he is what he is. He's cast in that sense. And because he's got size and reach, he's okay. But I, I think the where he could gain some ground and really have a breakthrough in his career would be more be more of an offensive force. Well, we've seen a little bit more of that. We've seen Greslick at least stay out of the sick bay because he's avoiding yeah. big time hits, and that's a that's a big factor for the Bruins. And and you've you've also got a, the back end somewhere is Clifton, who we know, you know, he, here's a guy that he just seems to relish the opportunity to be a bit of a dink. Yeah, <laughs> he, yeah. <laughs> he just he does it with such a, I don't know joy. Being such a, a jerk, but he he he's an important component, and he will be a, a really important component come playoff time because you need that that element, and uh, and he brings it pretty consistently. He does. He's got a real good smack factor, and he's also what I like about him. He's okay if somebody tags him back. You know, so, so many of these guys they, they would either want to give it out, or if they're not giving it out, they don't want to get hit. And when they get hit, then they start fighting. I I, I don't get that, but he's he's he's. He, you know, I, I'm I'm often critical of the U.S. college kids, of which he is one. He played Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac, um, uh, but he's he's they were of, called they were college grad students down there, and they're all 25 and 26, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> but he's got he's got that he's got sort of that legit sort of uh, Canadian junior snarl to him that uh, you know he I guess he just picked it up along the way. I, I, I want to add one thing to your comment on Grizzlick, which is, you know, he he had a penchant for you're talking about walking the line on the power play. I they they've given him very very tiny bit of power play time. I think it, amid their struggles here on the power play in the second half, I wish they'd given him some opportunity up there at the point because he's very clever back there. He's very mobile mobile. Uh, in, in some ways, he's like a Krug. Different, different, right. different sort of body stature. Yeah, no, but... I think that's a fair assessment, and they could have used it. I do like his lateral mobility. Yeah, maybe I mean, they should. I think Montgomery. It should. That first unit shouldn't feel entitled to go out there, not given their performance through the last half of the season, and he shouldn't feel reluctant to to say, "Okay, time to pull the plug on this and give somebody else a try," including maybe Grizzly. Anyway, we're running out a little bit out of time here, but I, I woke up. To see the Pittsburgh score, oh. and I couldn't believe it. 
It's all over now for Pittsburgh, is it not? Don't they have to Brian Burke and Hextall? They've got to retool. Is that? Yeah, I think. I, I again, they, it's it's not over yet, and stranger things have happened. But they went out in the off season, as you know. They they tied up those guys, Latang and Malkin. Uh, you know, the old guys with with long term deals at, at real numbers. Um, and I get it. They've 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 served there well. They've been good players, good citizens, all of that. But right now, no, it's the it's the same old tune for a lot of teams. They wait too long to dismantle, yeah. and that's hard to do. You know the Islanders had trouble doing. It's tough to let those old guys go. You want to let them finish their career, but from an organizational standpoint, and from their own career standpoint, not bad to do what Patrick Kane did, and you know take a shot at it, and and uh, on yes. Broadway, yeah, yeah. So. And- who do you want to see the, the opponent? I'm going to assume I can't believe the Islanders are going to blow a game to Montreal that locks up their spot in the playoffs. But are you looking at preferring Florida or preferring the Islanders? Uh, I, I'd prefer from a Bruins standpoint in terms of ability for success, I think they'd have an easier time with the Panthers. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but I think I think Montgomery can out, out coach Maurice. Um, I think they've gotten more parts. They're goaltending. You know, they've they've put that together with paper clips here at, at the end. And that's yeah. I, they look like they're going to be the top goaltending tandem in the league for a while. Right. It just blew up. Right. Right. And, you know, Bob Bobrovsky, again, inconsistent. Uh, the night kids had some uh, some issues. Uh, substance, yeah, whatever. Yeah, issues. Yeah. So. Yeah. So given what they are in goaltending, uh, Montour has been excellent on defense for them in terms of his, you know, sort of a career year. But I, I think they're far more vulnerable. Now, the Islanders have among maybe the next, if not the worst, the next to worst power play in the league. Uh, some of that is, of course, because they've been out with the, without the big kid in the middle. Uh, but I, I, I just... You, you know, just Lamorello's always got some sort of little twist to it, and I, I, I think they'd be. I think they could be vulnerable against the Islanders. Who knows? They, and also, Islanders have really good goaltending. That's right. I was just going to say that's that's one thing that you, you know, that's the wild card when a kid like that can come in and steal games, and then all of a sudden it promotes believability in your teammates and, and that can be a dangerous. And I love their fourth line always causing havoc. It, it'd be a, I think it'd be more fun for me to watch the Islanders, but I think I, if I'm, if I'm a fan looking at it from the Bruins perspective, I too would prefer Florida just a little bit lighter touch to that group. Yeah. There's, there's, and, and again, it's the playoffs. I, 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 if if you if you take the take the those three lineups, Bruins against those two lines, I still love the Bruins to win, no matter who it is. But as we know, it, it comes come the postseason, a couple elements go wrong early, and the whole the whole tide can shift. And sixty four wins don't mean a thing. <laughs> and you know they're clearly the favorite. I think I think Tampa Bay's window is closed. I don't care what anybody else says. I know they're a good team. They'll be a Tough out. Toronto's going to have to find a way to do it before I become a believer. The Rangers scare me a little bit if they can put it all together. You know, Lindgren's yeah. back. Their goaltending is good. They should have an abundance of scoring. Um, Carolina, without Svechnikov, I don't think they have enough 
offense to get it done. New Jersey, I think their time has come and it's not there. I think the Bruins will come out of this conference and then they'll wind up playing Edmonton. Edmonton or Colorado, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And those two teams are the one thing that scared me about those two teams is they have speed to burn. They sure do. Yeah. And Boston and, has good speed. It's not, you know, it's not, nothing to sneeze at, but nothing like you you watch that Western Conference, it's a whole different game. Oilers have speed to burn. They have the best power play. They have the best player in the world. So, um that that ending, that, we'll see, but Yeah, yeah, they got my, there. My my hope would some would somehow be that Vegas sneaks in and we have a Cassidy Montgomery showdown. Yeah. And of course, we were talking about that early on. Vegas slipped a bit mid to late. They picked it up lately. That that certainly could happen. Uh, that would be great fun. Well, listen, you've been great to spend some time with us. Uh, enjoy the playoff run, and um, we'll keep our fingers crossed that for the hometown team, it goes deep and results in a successful attempt to bring back the cup. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. All right, Mike. Always a pleasure.